Hey, bum, bum, bum. Today, well, I expand a little bit on my great thing from yesterday and I tell the full story because while the story I told yesterday was great, it actually was more cringe-worthy than I even expanded on yesterday and I had to tell the rest of that story. <laughs> because someone was like, oh my gosh, that made me laugh. Are you really like that? And it actually was worse than that. I just didn't want to fully embrace that this actually happened. I wasn't ready to tell this story yet. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> I'm never going to make friends with moms in my town. <laughs> Oh, okay. So we hit on that. I'm dying. It's an, it's too much. It's too much. I don't know. And then we also talk about chaos and clutter and this minimalistic movement and how when we started adopting that in our life, how it impacted how we were living and why? And I think really the biggest thing is we get so bogged down in the management of stuff, right? Think about what you spend most of your time doing, figuring out bills for the stuff that you own, <laughs> washing the stuff you own, decluttering the stuff you own. And I just realized that that really was managing a lot of my free time. The management of my stuff held me hostage every single weekend. And it always was in the back of my mind. So it also held my presence hostage. I was always like, okay, good. This was a great grill out. I need to get home. I have like two more loads of laundry that I need to get done. I want to get this weekend. I really can't enjoy this weekend until I get that done and I can't really be here. So can we go ahead, like flip the burgers? Come on. Okay, great. Yeah, let's eat. Yeah, let's talk. Oh my gosh, great. I can't believe so-and-so so old. How amazing. Wow. Let's take pictures. Okay. Are we done here? I need to do laundry. Right? Ever feel like that? Yeah, so we went through minimalizing our kitchen and my husband and I's closet and laundry situation. And we did that for ourselves to really declutter, capture, and eliminate chaos. And it was wildly impactful. So this week we decided that we would go ahead and start doing start minimalizing our children's spaces. So we got through the playroom and there were some pains there. And I talked through that today, but I think it's about being able to fully embrace and be in the spaces in which you live. And we had put so much money into the stuff being being the thing in the places that we live, that we were just overwhelmed by that. And so we kind of walk through what that looks like. And I think the most important thing that I can say is you don't have to eliminate everything. 
I want you to keep the things that you love, but I want you to be able to enjoy the things you love, right? Like actually be able to see them on a day-to-day basis because you're not so busy doing everything else that you can't even just sit and enjoy them. Like I love more than anything, a big, huge armchair that just eats me up while I'm reading a book. If there's no other place that I could exist, it's right there. And if I can't fully sink into that because I'm thinking about the 23 other things that I need to be doing other than sitting and reading this book, then I'm not really there. And my whole point of 2020 was about intention. And my whole goal as a person is about being present. And so presence really comes from gifting yourself the elimination of the chaos and the clutter. And it's so important because it inevitably bogs down your presence and your ability to fully be in a place. When you have a constant running list in your head of all the things, yeah, you're not going to be present. Come on. How could you? right? So that's what we're talking about today. I'll probably continue to expand on that idea because as we see how our kids react to this, and hopefully we see a major turn in how they use the playroom, you know, I think hopefully it allows them to get presents back. And my job as their parent really is to eliminate clutter and chaos from their lives and help them manage that. And I remember growing up feeling so weighted down by the clutter. I don't know. So we'll see. We're testing it. Duh. That's what we do here. Um, So I hope that you enjoy today and you take something from that and you help It helps you in some way with presence and alignment and your ability to live life on your terms. One of my terms was that I didn't spend entire weekends of time and nights managing my house. I can't. I can't do it. I need to be able to read a book. I need to be able to go socialize and I need to be able to be present there. And if I have this list of things all the time, I'm never going to get that presence. So we had to eliminate stuff. I know it sounds crazy, but I am telling you, life-changing. So enjoy. Let's go. Have you ever wondered how to live the life that you want? Have you ever sat and really allowed yourself to dream about it and start writing down action steps to go after those things? If you haven't, welcome, because most of us haven't. And I honestly woke up at the age of 30 and realized that I had one dream left for my life and that that wasn't going to be enough and that I couldn't just keep kind of riding the tide 
of what my life was going to look like. I couldn't just keep signing up for what everyone else had envisioned for my life except for me. And so that year, I put my foot down and I said, I want to be about things that I want to be about. I want to say in my life. And if that's something that you need, then this is it. We're coming at you every day, calling for you to live bigger, to cut and overcome your limiting beliefs and to align your life, to have a say, to be that person. If that's what you need, come here every day. We have you. Join our community, start rising up, and start taking your life back. You are worth it. You are beyond worth everything that you deserve. Everything that you can dream you want for your life, you are worth. And that's what we're about here. Let's dive in. Hey, welcome to the Death of a Dream podcast. That's right, you're here with Hannah Ness. Hopefully, slowly becoming your best friend. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Let's get to my great thing. You know, last night I had this amazing conversation with my older sister, and I think it was the first time where we really like came to terms and had it out about like the reality of life and where we're at right now. And, you know, this is the kind of depth that I've been craving in relationships. And I think it's about opening yourself up to that death. And I've talked about that before and really just letting people know where you stand. If you crave and want depth people can see and feel that from you and they'll either avoid it. And we had been kind of slowly avoiding those topics around each other for a while now. And I think last night was a huge step in like stepping into what this relationship will be, how we move forward as adults. And that's the bigger thing is like the people that you grow up with, especially siblings, I feel like, It's hard to like see each other as what you've grown into. It's hard to not know that person as what you've known them for longer, right? And so I think as as siblings grow and develop, maybe that's why it takes a while for them to kind of hit their stride because you kind of have to outgrow how you grew up together, right? Like just because they were crazy and silly and all those things, why can't you see that person as anything else? Well, that's what you've known about them for the longest amount of time. So I've always, by and large, been known as the crazy, silly, not really about much of anything except for crazy silliness um, in my family and in those relationships. And so I think it's hard for people to accept depth from me And I just have to keep showing up as that person because that's truly who I am. Um, But it's it's hard to be that person all the time because not everybody wants that from you and not everybody wants that change from you. So last night was the first 
night where we took a step in the direction that I think both of us wanted to head, but we had been kind of dancing around it. And it was so amazing. So that's my great thing. I do want to follow up on my great thing from yesterday. I um, got a hilarious uh, message from someone who listened yesterday and they're like, are you really that awkward? That's so funny. I was dying. And I just want to say that I didn't even actually say the most awkward part. And it's kind of funny and sad all in one. And it made my awkwardness as a parent even more awkward. So (laughs) this is a double great thing. But this is a follow-up from yesterday because it's actually funnier. uh, But this wasn't like a great thing necessarily. And it didn't fully tie into the story. But since yesterday's story made people laugh, I have to continue to tell the rest of the story. (laughs) Okay. So my daughter has been out of school since last April and she hasn't gone to daycare and she hasn't been in normal instances, right? Welcome the rest of the world. Same. And so she, I said, we're going to have a play date with Chloe. She's like, oh, Chloe that lives right down the street. That'll be so awesome. We should play more. So I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. I don't know any of the parents. I don't really know any of the kids. So I'm just like, is that the Chloe, you know? Okay. So then she were at our house or waiting for the play date. And she's like, Chloe's right over there. Can I just go over there? I'm like, well, let's just wait. You know, we're supposed to go to the park. Let's just be normal. Let's just go to the park. Let's not overstep our boundaries and go over to her house if we're supposed to go to the park. Right. So I'm like, let's just go to the park. So we go to the park and Emery's playing with this kid with a couple of kids and it's going great. And I'm talking to the mom and we're vibing and Emery comes over and she says, mom, mom, when's Chloe going to be here? I'm like, so confused. I'm like, Chloe's right over there. You're playing with Chloe. So Emery just looks at me really confused, looks at the mom super confused and just runs back off to go play. And I don't think anything of it. And then probably 10 minutes later, I'm still talking with this mom and Emery comes over and she goes, mom, I thought Chloe was coming. I thought we were doing a play date with Chloe. Can you, can you text her mom? And I'm just looking at her like, what are you talking about? And so I go, Emery, knock it off. What are you, just go play. So then she comes over one last time, probably five minutes later. And she starts yelling, mom. And at this point I start realizing she must not, does she not know who this little girl is? This is Chloe. Does she not get that? So then she comes, I go, Emery, stop, come here, come and talk to me. And the mom's still there so she can hear the conversation. There's no way to escape this conversation in this park. And obviously at this point, even the older sister of the girl is like, I don't think she knows Chloe. Like, I can't even make this up. (laughs) 
So then Emery comes over and she goes, Mom, I thought that Chloe from our ha- from by our house was coming for the play date. And I said, this is, this is the Chloe you're having the play date. This is Chloe. And she goes, oh. And still, still is looking at me like, okay, still kind of confused, but okay. And then she just runs off in place. And the mom turns to me and she goes, I don't, I don't know. I said, I think, and she doesn't even have words, right? Because at this point, my seven-year-old has openly announced that she has no idea who this little girl is. But the the problem isn't that she doesn't know who she is. The problem really is that this little girl had spent her entire summer obsessing over hanging out with my daughter. And my daughter has no idea who she is. Nor does she want to even have a play date with her. She was spending most of her time playing with the older kids and being angry that her friend no-showed to the play date. And at this point, I'm already awkward. We talked about that yesterday. I'm already like all in on the awkward mom train. So like we can't handle more depth to this relationship right now. So the mom's just like, without words, looking at me and I'm like, I don't, they've been out of school for so long. I just don't, I don't think she remembers any kids, right? Because that's what you have to say at that point. Like, it's not that she doesn't remember your daughter, probably, right? She does. I don't, I don't know. So then I'm like, I don't, I think she just doesn't remember kids. And and the mom's like, oh yeah, we had to do kind of a refresher course of who Emery was. She's lying, right? If your kid's been talking about hanging out with a kid for that, like they don't probably need a refresher course, but she's lying to make me feel better. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, look at me. Like we're trying to vibe. We're trying to have mom friends and kid friends. And here we are messing it up because my kid can't remember who this is. I can't. So then we survived that. The mom still talks to me. I don't know how. I don't know why. And we get on the bike and Emery's like, mom, I thought we were hanging out with Chloe. (laughs) Like she still hasn't put all this together, but she did at least by the third time pick up on the fact that I didn't want to have this conversation in front of other Chloe's mom. Right. So then she just kind of dropped it and she went and she played. So after we left the park and everyone had left and we survived the social downfall of who we will inevitably be forever in this community, um, Emery's just like, I don't understand what just happened. And I'm like, sister, I'm with you. So she goes on to say, well, I know that Chloe, but I thought we were hanging out with the other Chloe. And I'm like, right, well, I'm sorry. I don't know anyone. I should have shown a picture. <laughs> Why does everyone have the same name? Dang it. <laughs> so, so then Emery's like, well, that was fun. 
I just thought it was another Chloe. And I'm just like, okay, well, I don't know. We survived. Hallelujah. I for sure will never have another play date. So I messaged the mom awkwardly because, you know, I don't know how to operate in this space. And this encounter didn't help. Okay. It didn't help. I went home and explained it to my husband. And I'm like, I don't know. I was just watching this car crash and I couldn't look away. It just kept happening. And Emery kept coming over and the mom just kept like awkwardly being like, oh, <laughs> it's okay. You know, until we kept driving at home that we had no idea who this little girl was. And I don't know. There's a chance that I'll never make another friend again. I don't know. I don't know how to operate in this world. I have officially no idea how to make friends with moms, but I am certain that it does not happen by your kid not knowing who the other kid is, for goodness sakes. I think that's just apparently Playdate Mom 101 that I didn't pick up on. Dang it. So anyways, we finally figured out who this little girl was. Yes, we knew her, apparently not as well as she knew my daughter. And it was a travesty. And it continues to be a travesty because I actually really enjoyed and appreciated the time with this mom. And they certainly are never going to hang out with us again. So I messaged the mom and I'm like, hey, <laughs> COVID, sorry, I think Emery just got confused. Hopefully we can hang out again. That was really fun. What? Oh my gosh. So then she just responds, yeah, once we figure out, you know, what's happening with school, because school starts next week, we should definitely get together again. I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and call it. We're never going to hang out again. That's going to go ahead and be my guess. If we do, I will let all of you know, but the train wreck of just my social inadequacies when it comes to mom, mom and mom relationships. If that didn't hurt us enough, it definitely sealed the deal when my daughter had no idea and kept openly <laughs> commenting on the fact that <laughs> she didn't know this little girl. <laughs> I can't, I can't. We're like just the duo that could never mom relationship, me and my daughter, go us. So that's like an extension of the miserableness that was this super exciting potential mom romance that probably will never happen. But yesterday I was feeling excited about it and then I forgot that I didn't even expand on the traumatic train wreck that actually happened during the play date. So I had to come and tell the rest of the story because I can't, I can't. Because here's the thing. Although I was awkward, although it was uh, cringeworthy at moments, outside of the story I just told you today, it was actually pretty good. Once we got over the rocky start of me being super weird and awkward, it was good conversation it was good. It was good stuff. And then what I told you today happened. And I don't know, I guess I kind of just wanted to not remember that 
because there was this small sliver of hope that I might actually make a mom friend. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's a whole different story. Today we're actually supposed to be talking. Okay. But take time today to recognize yourself for your great things. Try not to do what I did, which was like gloss over the fact that it was actually a complete train wreck and hopefully only hold on to the parts of the story that were great. That was me yesterday, just holding on, hoping. And it's okay, right? That was a great thing. It was great. That was a huge step. There's another side to that story. <laughs> but recognize yourself, right? Yesterday, I was recognizing myself for a step that I hadn't taken before, and it felt amazing. And it, I would be remiss to not tell you the other side of the story. So that's why I had to tell that today. Um, but there's still greatness in every train wreck. There's always a positive thing. There's always a great thing to pull from a situation. So that was my great thing. <laughs> that was the expansion of the great thing that I had to bring you today. So what we're actually talking about today is clutter and chaos and how to survive the weight of that. And I don't know. It was probably about three months ago. I went on an insane, like minimalistic, let's get rid of stuff. And I did that with the paring down of my closet. So now I have what's hanging in my closet and one dresser drawer of clothing because it was really like I had a million t-shirts, but I kind of always wore the same ones. I just felt so heavy when I would go to make a decision on my closet and my clothing. And it just felt like I was always shuffling through things and it felt daunting and exhausting. And so I went ahead and applied minimalistic strategies to my closet. I leaned heavy on Marie Kondo, even though I think she could help people pare down even more. Um, come on. So I pared down. I don't need 12 options when it comes to yoga pants. I need two. And so that's really what I went with. And I really thought that I would feel more paralyzed by that. Like, oh, uh. and once in a while, I would say probably every three months, there comes a time where I'm like, I'm just wearing the same clothes over and over again. This is terrible. Um, or is it wonderful? Because I'm actually wearing and wearing out the clothes that I have. And so I thought it would be super sad. And it actually wasn't. What I figured out was that it was super expansive. And where I didn't have and take time managing all the stuff, I freed up this whole new window of time where I wasn't spending full weekends organizing and decluttering, right? Because it's not really decluttering if you only get rid of one bag. And I didn't want to spend that much time decluttering. I didn't want clutter. Clutter was exhausting me. Clutter created so much chaos. I couldn't even exist in this world, right? And so I had to pare down. So I started with my kitchen and my closet. And those are great places to start. I think with your kitchen, it's like 
we don't honestly do that much baking. And so the fact that I had, and I talk about this in a podcast, the fact that I had 12 cookie sheets is insanity. And really it's not about not having a lot of things. It's about being able to see the things that you have. And so that's where I had to shift my mindset with everything. It was like I had so much abundance, so much extra that I didn't even actually know what I had. Okay. I need to write that down. Okay. I'm not going to write that down, but that's, that's where I had to shift my mind, right? The, the decluttering, the removal of the extra allowed me to see what I had. And so instead of having 14 spatulas, I have two. Now, here's the thing about that. You have favorites, and I guarantee that you pretty much only use your favorites, and any time that you're forced to use anything but that, it's terrible, right? If I have to use the third spatula, we might as well not cook. I got to be honest, if I'm flipping pancakes with that third spatula, all hell has broken loose. If I get to the fourth or fifth spatula, I'm quite certain that I should never bake again. Because those are terrible spatulas. And you know that if I'm past the bench, after the bench, and I'm using spatula six, seven, and eight, the world is ending. Because at that point, I have so many dishes piled up that I can't even see straight. And I definitely am going to be managing and recovering from this mess. Usually it would coincide with being sick and then someone else getting sick and then just like layering on the times at which we have to suffer through this. But that was the problem. I was spending all of my time managing this stuff. And the bigger problem was that I had enough stuff to be able to survive for weeks at time and to pile up that much, right? Uh-huh. Go ahead. Nod your head. How many times have you had so many piles of dishes that it honestly made you sick to your stomach? That's where I was at. And the amazing thing is when you have less, you can't pile stuff up. I know, right? It's a scary thought. So this week we've been working on minimalizing the playroom. And this is something that we've been talking about doing. But I think what I realized is where we were minimalized, where we had cut down on things, there was so much more clarity there. There just was this feeling of calm. And so my children have a playroom, which it's really just an uninsulated front porch that we kind of converted with carpet. It's not a great playroom, but that playroom, every time I walk past it, I'm just like, it suffocates me. I can't even look at it. It's just so much stuff. And when people would come over, it'd be like, okay, we have a dresser full of stuff and we have a kitchen full of stuff and we have this box full of food for the kitchen. And then we have these drawers and we have these drawers and we have these drawers. And then we have this box and this box and this toy box and this toy box. And that is the playroom. And so I felt like, okay, maybe we make this a minimalist space. Maybe we 
cut down on the amount of clutter. And let's see if this space actually thrives with less. And I was so scared. Like, oh no, my kids, what are they going to do without a bazillion toys and 27 toy boxes? How will they live? And we had a little bit of tears when we started to just cut things that maybe they felt attached to, but that they hadn't played with in a while. And so we went through that. We had some tears. And then on the other side, once we got everything cleared out, once we cut down to two toy boxes, all of a sudden my daughter started realizing that now they can actually see the things that they truly love, that they really love playing with. And there was this breakthrough moment where they were just like, oh, we have space here. We now have space. It's not so cluttered and crazy that we feel overwhelmed by the expansiveness of this space. Yeah. I mean, they didn't say it in those words, but I could feel their energy shift in this room. So we've been going through that. We'll go on the second stage of that today and through the weekend where we start minimalizing their clothes um, as we head into the school season. Because the beautiful thing about having less clothes is less decisions. So we actually operate on a three-shoe um, system, which is you have a seasonal shoe, a tennis shoe, and a dress shoe. And that's what's in our accessible space. So our entryway has those three shoes. And we really don't even need the dress shoe. We probably actually fill the dress shoe with more of a utility shoe. Um, but usually it's a, a sandal, a tennis shoe, and a dressier shoe. I don't know. Um, and the sandal gets replaced with a boot in the fall and winter. And that's really where we operate. And it's wonderful, right? Hey, let me just tell you, if you're struggling to get your toddler to go out the door and pick a pair of shoes, because who doesn't struggle with that? An amazing way to overcome that is by only giving them three choices. And trust me, even those three choices will still exhaust you, but at least it's not 12. Okay. I'm just saying. So we've seen so much growth, so much calmness and clarity through going through this process that I wanted to start testing it with our kids. And my biggest fear was that they will just simply not exist anymore because they don't have all of these things. And I don't know, after testing it with the playroom and there were some growing pains in that, I already see them fully engaging in that space where I hadn't seen that ever. And I'll post pictures once we're through what the remodel looks like, but I think we can't operate in chaotic spaces for long. So if your house is stressing you out and you only feel good in it once a month, because that's the only time that you can get it cleaned, right? That's not a good place to be in. 
We have to have places where we can thrive, where we feel amazing in those spaces. And I'm working right now on making our space, our home, a place where we feel amazing, where we can just sit down and relax and fully fall back into a chair and fully rest and relax and fully play because we're not also playing but thinking about how messy everything's getting and we're not also playing but worried about where everything goes or where everything is. We're not constantly searching for things because we know where they are. And so this will be the first step in minimalizing my kids and I'm really excited about that because of what it's done to my wholeness as a person, how I've grown through that. And so we'll see. We'll see. Real-time testing it as we go through our kids and seeing how they adapt. And we've already seen so much growth and adaptation through going through the process for ourselves that I'm so excited to expand it to our kids. Um, But I don't know. I just want you to know that less really is more. It is. And that seems like such a dumb catchphrase of a thing for me to say to all of you. But with things comes clutter. You don't need 12 bottles of body spray. And most of the time they're like half empty or a third empty. Get rid of it. I don't know. Maybe you'll survive without half a splash of love spell. You might. Okay? Get rid of it. Get rid of the clutter so you can stop managing it. And you don't need three bottles of backup body splash of love spell. You need one. And when the one is gone, you dispose of the one. And if you feel like, oh, I really need a backup love spell body splash. I really do. I have to have two. Then have two. Okay. What I think you'll start to see is the decrease of the clutter. Being able to survive and thrive in your space really allows you to fully be there. Because you're not thinking about how badly you need to clean that playroom because it just looks disgusting. You can't even look in that room one more time, right? You're just sitting. You're just being. You're not thinking about the 12 loads of laundry that you have downstairs because you couldn't even have 12 loads of laundry. Yeah, that's where we're getting. Okay, so I want you to process when you have time where you have chaos and clutter in your life and how you can start to cut back, eliminate, maybe just start with like the pantry or your bathroom closet. Okay? Start taking steps there. I promise when there isn't clutter, there's the simplicity in your mind that takes over and you will start to operate at a higher level. As always, you're smart, you're strong, you're beautiful. What are you going to do? Change the world. Hey, thank you so much for listening today and every day. Seriously, this is my life work. This is what I've always dreamed to do. And you showing up and listening makes my dream come true and pushes me even harder to help 
other people realize that they're capable of living their dreams too. So thank you. If you want to and feel so compelled to sharing always helps to spread the message. So go ahead and get social. You can find the death of a dream everywhere. TikTok, uh, YouTube, I actually do a live recording of this podcast. If you want to see my uh, mannerisms, you can go over and head and check that out. I also do a daily vlog there of kind of my mental state in making myself a motivator. So you can go over there and check that out. All those things can be found at the death of a dream. Kind of the um, visual makeup of what I speak to can be found on Pinterest. Again, at the death of a dream. I know, it's crazy. Uh, And on TikTok, actually. So go ahead and search me out on all your socials. And I hope to see you there. If this helped you in any way, share it on your socials. Tag me at the death of a dream. Um, I would love to see what this is meaning to you and, and go ahead and like, and review this podcast. That's how you keep podcasts alive and give back to your favorite podcaster. So thank you so much for being here. I love and value this community so much.